Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everyone. My name is Allison Graves, and welcome to Coronavirus in Florida, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. This episode was released on Monday, April 6th. On this show, we'll talk to experts and reporters, share the facts behind the spread of the virus, and discuss what could happen next. Today, we're going to discuss how Florida prepared for the pandemic. We often hear that the coronavirus is unlike anything we've ever faced in Florida, but it may surprise you to know that Florida actually saw this pandemic coming. In fact, as early as 2005, Florida officials predicted a flu-like crisis would hit the state. At the time, the state prepared accordingly. The Florida Department of Health hired more epidemiologists, and state officials wrote risk assessments and plans to deal with an outbreak. Emergency response workers in Tampa even conducted what was then the country's largest mock pandemic influenza exercise in 2006. Now, in the middle of possibly the worst public health crisis in its history, Florida's public health system is strained, underfunded, and understaffed. Today, we're going to talk to our political editor, Steve Contorno, who was the co-author of an explosive story revealing all of this. Thanks so much for being here, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start. Take me back to the beginning. What was going on in 2005? It actually goes back even further than that to right after 9-11. You know, we had this terrorist attack and suddenly the federal government was wondering, what if they attack some sort of bioterrorism attack. Mm -hmm. What if they unleash uh, something else on us? So as a result, there was this huge outpouring of efforts to find soft spots in our defense system. And that included how ready we were to respond to some sort of flu-like pandemic. Then you fast forward to 2005 and the World Health Organization puts out this explosive study that says the world is not ready for a major outbreak of a disease. And once again, we were scrambling. A lot of money and research, a lot of resources as well, were pumped into getting federal government and states ready for an outbreak, kind of like the one we're seeing today. And in 2005, a study from Florida found that a flu-like pandemic could infect over a million people here. And as a result, the the state reacted. They put a lot of money and training into getting people certified and, and, and prepared for this kind of pandemic. They beefed up staffing, they beefed up research. You know, even in, in 2006, the first large scale pandemic 
test run was conducted in Tampa trying to see how systems would, re- would respond if a major urban city was affected by a flu-like pandemic. And at the time, that was like the country's largest simulation of that type thing, right? Yeah. And if you look back at the pictures of it, it's pretty eerie. You have people in masks. You have, um, you know, hospital beds getting filled up. Uh, it looks very similar to what we have today. And, you know, and the people who were preparing us for this were putting out reports saying, if this were to happen here, we need to do social distancing. We need to you know, quarantine people, a lot of the same measures that we're seeing employed now. That's just so fascinating, I think, that it just is so closely related to what we're seeing now. So obviously, things didn't stay like that. Things changed a lot after 2005. So can you kind of walk us through what happened after all these uh, preparation measures were taken? There were two major turning points in Florida. One was the recession. That sucked up a ton of the state's resources, and there were just widespread cuts across the board. The governor at the time, Charlie Crist, actually signed into law a bill that required the Department of Health to go through its entire budget and justify every single program and look for a rate of of return on investment. That is not necessarily how experts would suggest looking at how states spend money on public health preparedness. Then you have the H1N1 swine flu, Mm -hmm. which turned out to be not quite the epidemic that many had predicted. You know, there were still a lot of deaths in Florida and still a lot of people infected, but it wasn't necessarily a a coronavirus. And as a result, we sort of took our eye off the ball. Rick Scott gets elected governor in 2010, and he's just slashing government services across the board including the Department of Health. So in 2011, were Governor Scott's cuts noteworthy at the time? There was definitely an immediate reaction to the overall of the Department of Health. But you have to remember that nearly every department in the state of Florida was getting cut. Mm -hmm. It was an era where tax cuts were very important and a priority. Spending cuts were also a priority. And so when you had sort of this slash and burn mindset, there was only so much attention that can go to one department. And I think as a result, it wasn't necessarily clear what the impact of these major cuts over the coming years would be to Florida's readiness for this kind of event. Yeah. And I, in your story, you kind of called the pandemic pre- preparedness an easy target when it came time to deciding what should be cut. Can you explain to listeners what you meant by that? We talked to a lot of public health experts who said that as a country, not just even in Florida, but as a country, we tend to cut when there's not a crisis. It takes a crisis often to remind us that government can be really helpful in these situations that government is our first line of defense against an outbreak. Uh, You know, we sort of see this in Florida with hurricanes. It was a long time between hurricanes hitting Florida. And as a result, the state sort of took its eye off the ball a little bit. Mm -hmm. The same thing happened with pandemic readiness. 
So Florida hasn't seen a crisis like coronavirus, but it did see other outbreaks. Can you talk a little bit about how the cuts to the system affected those smaller outbreaks? Yeah, we when we went back in time, we looked at how Florida responded to past outbreaks. And what we found is this depleted and, you know, resource starved department was not properly handling smaller outbreaks. There was a tuberculosis outbreak that the CDC came in in 2011, took a look around and saw that we have the largest tuberculosis outbreak that we've ever had in this country over the past 20 years. And they state wasn't doing the right steps to control it. It wasn't, you know, going around and checking to see who every single person that got in contact with an infected person was notified. It wasn't doing just basic steps that most epidemiologists would suggest is the right course of action during an epidemic. Then we had a similar type of situation with hepatitis A over the past few years where the department was trying to get its arms around the size of the problem, but it didn't have the data to do so because some really important steps were missed in the beginning. And when we talked to experts, they told us that that these tr- these are these smaller outbreaks, the same system that is now responding to an international pandemic is the one that responded to these smaller outbreaks. And it was really it should have been an alarming, eye-opening uh, test run for whether or not Florida was prepared for a coronavirus. And if you look back at those events, it would seem to foreshadow that we weren't. And so now we're facing the biggest pandemic Florida has ever seen. So we've seen so many cuts since 2005. What is the state up against now because of these cuts with coronavirus specifically? Well, we saw immediately once the outbreak started in Florida that the state realized it didn't have enough epidemiologists. You know, Florida has uh, fewer epidemiologists per capita than most states. Mm-hmm. It pays these people less than just about any other state. And as a result, the department within a weekend had to go out and try to hire 100 people to do the epidemiological you know, surveys that are needed to keep tabs and track where the virus is spreading. And, and because they had to hire all these people, essentially over the course of one weekend, you know, they weren't getting the the very best experts in the state. You know, so a lot of people did step up, but they also had to go out and ask, you know, students who had no background in infectious diseases to help with the caseloads. Did you look at any other states? Did other states take a lot of last minute steps like Florida did? I think one thing we want to make clear is that it's, even if Florida did everything right, it would still be having an outbreak here. It's not like they would have put up a wall to keep Florida from getting the disease. But what we've seen in other states is where there is a readiness and immediate response, they were able to control the outbreak and perhaps prevent hospitalizations uh, and maybe save lives. We are still waiting to see what the impact of the lack of preparation and the delays will be. But I think when this is all said and done, 
um, there will be some serious questions to ask of the individuals who um, decided a decade ago that public health wasn't a spending priority. Well, Steve, thanks so much for your time today. If you haven't read Steve's story, please go do so. We'll leave a link in the description of this episode. Thanks so much again, Steve. Thank you, Allison. Well, folks, that does it for today's episode. Remember, for the latest information on coronavirus in Florida, you can visit tampabay.com slash coronavirus. The Times is making all coronavirus coverage free as a public service, but please consider subscribing or making a donation to support this work. You can find links to donate or subscribe in the description of this podcast. We're also officially up and running on almost all podcast platforms, so please subscribe, rate, and review us. This has been Coronavirus in Florida. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.